Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. What would you want in a holy man? Would you want him to live a simple life that focused on solely good deeds and inspiring them in others? Would you want him to shrug off vanity? Would you like him to be well-versed in the tenets of the religion that he is espousing? Or would you prefer someone with a church that exists in a sports stadium, flies in a private jet, and fights to maintain the looks of a 1980s game show host? The blinding white smile, the expensive suits, hair full of LA looks gel? Neither is necessarily wrong, but one does feel antithetical to the Christian values espoused by Jesus Christ in his bestseller, The Bible. And on this episode, we're definitely talking about the latter. In previous shows, we've covered fraudster religious leaders like Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell Jr. Well, today we're covering a guy who's likely the biggest name in televangelism for the past couple of decades, Joel Austin. Even if you don't pay attention to him, you definitely know who he is. He's that big of a name. But is he a horrible swindler psychopath like Pat Robertson was? Or maybe he's a horny ne'er-do-well like Jerry Falwell Jr. Or worse, or maybe he's just an honest preacher who has rightfully received the financial blessings of the world for spreading the good word. Open up your Bibles, pull out your wallet, and get ready to be inspired, or probably not, by the story of Joel Austin on this episode of Asshole Court. All right, so before we get sharted, uh, sharted. <laughs> too late. Yes, before we get sharted, before we get started, uh, we want to give a shout out to Sid Clifton for this idea for a show, Joel Austin. Uh, this was like recommended a while back and uh, sort of works out perfectly for us. I think we got tired of jumping on the rape train for a while, so we decided <laughs> to uh, go to somebody that's not a rapist, uh, as far as we know. We'll find out here as we go. And also, I just want to stop and uh, give everybody a shout out for kind of dealing with stuff for a second. I had to take a moment for some personal stuff and appreciate uh, Randy and Buddy for sort of helping me out with that. And uh, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming from here on out. So, hey, it's no problem at all, man. All good, brother. I also wanted to say a uh, shout out to Sid Clifton. She is a super fan of yeah, ours. For sure. Uh, been in our inbox on Instagram for forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, big love out, Sid. Thank you for the request. And I'm glad that we're getting around to this episode. Okay. All right. So uh, let's move on to From the Inbox. All right. This week, From the Inbox, we've got a couple of our newest reviews. And as you guys know, we're not just going to read you the five star reviews, we're going to read you all of them. And uh, Mikey had the chance to read his two star review given to him. Last week. That's right. But uh, we've got a couple five stars that I'm going to share with you. Yeah. Uh, the first one came to us from uh, Waka Waka in the U.S. <laughs> Gave us a five star. Title of it was Funny and Engaging. By a Fonzie Bear? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. 
Uh, they said this podcast is like sitting down with some buddies, cracking open a cold one, and having a great laugh. Much love from Wales, lads. Keep up the excellent work. So this guy can't be from the U.S. then, right? I, you, you know what? Now I feel like an idiot, but I'm. You guys see it, right? Yeah, from U.S. But no, Waka Waka is from Wales, but for some reason it said from the U.S. Yeah. Either way. Unless he's a liar, but I don't think he is. Ah, there's <laughs> potential for that, but I doubt it. So thanks, Waka Thanks, Waka Waka. Oh, yeah. And uh, the next one, the title of this was, If You Are Not Following This Podcast, What Are You Doing With Your Life? That's for real. Yeah. And it was a five-star review from our uh, our home person, don't know, uh, guy or gal, yeah. Vinyl Black. And it said, My family lives seven hours away, and I drive down to visit them twice a month. Nothing makes the drive more bearable than these guys. The way they present the information available and keep even the worst situations funny ensures every episode is enjoyable. Combined with the Conspiracy Court episodes for Patreon, I am actually looking forward to my drive to catch up. Listen, subscribe, and support these guys. Yeah, so, hey, Smart fellow right yeah. there. I like that yeah. a lot. And we had a couple other people that were really nice and uh, defended me against Hank House, so I want to give you guys a shout-out for that. I really appreciate sure. that. Yeah, special shouts out. Yeah, yeah. Anytime that you guys want to, uh, you know, dish on... Hank House, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite was like, it was just like FHH. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. And I saw how somebody uh, put a hashtag, fuck Hank House. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, that'd be great. It's, twin, it's, it's trending now on Twitter That's or right. X or whatever it is now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. Yeah. Ch- check out the Elon Musk episode of uh, Asshole Court. There you go. You we may have to update that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Also, definitely want to give a shout out and a heads up to all of you. We got the chance to uh, appear on a, a fellow podcast called Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. Our boys Duncan and Shane over there, they run a really funny show. They have a side show kind of like we do for uh, Patreon. It's called Midnight Facts for Insomniacs After Midnight. Uh, and that's where they, uh, they had us on. And the topic for the show that we covered was the top five fictional assholes of all time. So uh, they thought we were pretty good folks to have on that show. So definitely give them a listen. Again, Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. We were in on the uh, After Midnight edition. But uh, check them out. Funny, funny podcast and two really cool guys. Absolutely. Big fans of Shane and Duncan. And uh, we had a blast on that show. Honestly. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Super it was fun. a lot of fun on that episode. So, uh, I was, yeah, it's really uh, good to, for the guys to have us on, man. We really appreciate it. Check them out. Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. Yeah, no they're doubt. our podcast bros. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, cool. So uh, let's get to preliminary scores on Joel Osteen. All right, Randy, what you got? All right, so every time I think of Joel Osteen, I think of the meme, and it says, Joel Osteen looks like Martin Short trying to impersonate Tim Allen. That is good. <laughs> and if you, oh, very spot good. And if you look at a picture of Joel Osteen, the, the graphic you'll see on our uh, the show for this one, uh, man, that shit rings true. Yeah, I actually had it like that was what I was going to talk about was him. Like I always get him confused with Martin Short. <laughs> yeah, because he looks just like him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. like Uncanny Valley version of Martin Short. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of ties into that. You were talking. He looks like an '80s sitcom, oh, '80s a game show host. Yeah, yeah game absolutely. show host. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So with the mega churches, there's a lot of reason to hate him, right? Uh, but I remember the one thing standing out with Joel Osteen happened during the Dallas floods, mm-hmm. and essentially people were left stranded out in the middle of the streets of uh, Dallas, or Houston. 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 Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Houston. Into that for sure. And um, yeah, and essentially he wouldn't let him in there. Not a good look there. And just kind of mega churches. I mean, we've talked about it. We've covered a couple of them. Mm-hmm. It's just the overall greed kind of makes you sick. But Joel Osteen has a very unique quality in that he has a very broad following sure and i worked with a lady a couple years ago that just swore by this guy and listened to him every single morning on the way into work 
right? Oh, and, uh, God, what a yeah. nightmare. Uh, <laughs> and she was a bit of a nightmare, so there's yeah. that. Uh, but, I mean, this guy has a, a massive following just outside of his church. You oh, know? it's huge, he's, yeah. He's massive. And uh, one of my favorite things that you mentioned in the intro read, Mikey, was his L.A. looks styling gel. Oh, yeah. Man, oh, that yeah. brought me back a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. We all know about Randy and his uh, L.A. looks. Oh, yeah. 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 Blind yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. So, pre-show, I've got Joel Austin coming in at a 7.75. 7.75. For Randy on Joel Austin. That's right. That's all right. Yeah. All right. And uh, buddy, what do you have on Joel Austin? Is it Osteen or Austin? I'm going to say Austin this Austin, entire show. Austin. Yeah. Okay. I've heard Osteen a couple of times, yeah. but predominantly I've always heard Austin. Yeah. So I'm going to go Austin. I think that's the way that it's yeah. pronounced. Austin 316. That's right. All right. So for me, uh, Joel Austin. I'm. I, I'm familiar with his face. I don't really pay much attention to him. You know, I I've, you don't. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, I don't follow any of the news stories on him except I do remember the one that Randy pointed out, and I'm sure we're going to get into that here in the show. Sure. But you know, I, I've always had a problem with religious leaders. Um, I kind of think that it's possible that Mikey suggested this show just with the recent passing of Pat Robertson. Yeah. You know, Mikey's Another trying to killed off. Yeah. He's trying to kill off Joel. Austin. <laughs> I actually commend you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, I think I just uh, had had enough rape to last me a solid month with our past two episodes <laughs> with David Koresh and Bill Cosby. Yeah. So I was like, I don't think this guy's a rapist, but Hey, if he is, then it's going to be a great show. Yeah. So, but no, I've always had uh problems uh, with preachers. They're, they're always trying it. For the most part, I mean, there is a a definitely a group, a smaller group of them that really is doing the Lord's work and stuff like that. But by and large, a lot of the people that we're going to cover are not doing the Lord's work. And um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see where Joel ends up today here in the courtroom. But um, I don't know that much about him uh, other than the one thing that we talked about. So I can't go too high, but I got to imagine that he's at least tied with Mama June Shannon. So uh, I'm going to put you know what those two personalities are pretty close. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. you know very loud annoying attention horse. attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, 6.9 for me pre-show. I, I bet if he found out there was a podcast about him and we compared him to Mama June Shannon yeah. and he knew who that person was. Yeah. Oh, he knows who she is for sure. <laughs> yeah, he probably wouldn't be too pleased and I love Internally I love he that. wouldn't. No. I love that just knowing that. <laughs> He'd be like, "Brother, you can say whatever you want about me. You're my brother in Christ. I get all sorts of hate. Yeah. I I know it." All right, so uh, Buddy's coming in with a 6.9, a 69 on our homeboy, Joel Austin. <laughs> <laughs> a Mama June 69 that's right, on that's Joel right. Austin. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, All right, Mikey, bring us home. I selected this topic. Again, I sort of explained why. It was timely with Pat Robertson's fortunate death. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'm trying to put another one up on the board here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no. At least put it out into the ether. <laughs> yeah, you there know. you go. But, I, I mean, anybody that's listened to the show knows that, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, these types of televangelists or uh, mega church guys. I actually despise them. So, without, but I didn't, I also didn't know much about Joel Austin. He's a, like, it's one of those things where his face bothers me so much that it's yeah. very hard to get into it because like he just looks so strange to me like a robot or something i want to punch him like yeah there's very few people face, that i want to yeah. punch and he's yeah. just one of those that you just look at and you're like yeah i want to punch you yeah in the face. it's ref it's like reflexive disgust on my part which is totally childish and uh you know it makes well, sense. extremely but w i would want to punch him somewhere in the face where i did like 
not necessarily physical damage, but like visual damage, right? That would be physical. Where I blacked his eye or oh, broke yeah. his nose or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can KO, you can hit him with the jaw and just knock him out. Well, that that uh, Pat Sajak-ass smile he's got, you know what I'm saying? And knock one <laughs> yeah. of those teeth out and make him look like a hockey player, Ooh. like an enforcer. But no, I, uh, I, you know, to start him off just reflexively, like I said, because I don't like mega church guys, I was going to start him out at 7.5 and then see sort of where he falls after that. All right, 7.5 for Mikey. All right. With a 7.75 from Randy, a 6.9 from Buddy, and a 7.5 from Mikey, Joel Austin's pre-show asshole score is a 7.38. All right, 7.38, interesting territory. A tick above our boy Charlie Sheen, that was a 7.33, and just below psycho weirdo Jordan Peterson at a 7.42. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, that's good territory right there. Yeah, that actually is that tracks, tracks a little bit. Yeah. I'd like to see them fist fight each other. They look like they have about the same frame and weight and everything. I think oh, Jordan man. Peterson probably has that. But he's you think so? He's older. He older. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to see it though. I mean it's like I would imagine Austin has a good diet and a physical trainer. That's true. And shit. Yeah, yeah. I could see Austin waking up at like four AM oh, every morning to work out. Mm-hmm. I also would love to see his hair get shook though, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. <laughs> what if he was like a cage fighter and all that makeup was just to cover up blue, That's right. you know, black eyes? He's like wiry, dude. He's you know, the type of dude that can get him in like Jordan Peterson in an arm bar or something. Yeah. Him and Zuckerberg train every morning. That's yeah. right. You know, Zuckerberg's nice. got a bot on him now. I'm like, dang, Zuck, what's up, baby? <laughs> I'll be your cuck, Zuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's worth a lot of money. I do all sorts of weird things. <laughs> all right, you guys ready to uh, pray that this is over soon? <laughs> <laughs> Already on my knees. <laughs> Joel Scott Austin is born in Houston, Texas on March 5, 1963 to John Austin and Dolores Doty Pilgrim. He was born with the same head of hair that he possesses now, looking like a cowardly lion bobblehead doll from the Wizard of Oz straight out of Doty's womb. Joel Scott, so close. J.S. He was almost J.C. J.C., yeah. If he had been like a Chris, Joel Chris. Yeah, Jesus Christ Austin. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a wrestler's name to some extent, I guess. Or like a rapper these days. Joel, yeah, Jesus Christ Austin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Austin was a pastor and church founder, and Dolores rode over on the Mayflower. <laughs> she's, a, no, she's a stay-at-home mom, like most women of that time were, and which makes sense because Joel was one of six kids, Ooh. the youngest, in fact. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and caring for six kids, having to dress them, feed them, comb through their terrifyingly thick and curly hair. Well, that's not something you could do part-time. <laughs> Although at some point I did find out that she worked as a nurse, but I didn't know exactly when. So maybe she wasn't a stay-at-home mom the whole time. I don't know. Maybe as the kids got older. Could be the case. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, times got tight. At one, times point, got tight. at one point, maybe she was a nurse. She was a nurse. Yeah. yeah. She had aspirations, but that was all shot to hell when you had six kids. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now, by the time Joel was born, his father John had already started Lakewood Baptist Church. Today, Lakewood Baptist Church is housed in the arena that used to host the Houston Rockets and is broadcast to millions of people worldwide in up to like 100 different countries. But at the time of its founding, Mother's Day 1959, its congregation met in an abandoned feed store in northeast Houston. That's pretty strong. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Imagine the surprise of some farmer stopping by one Sunday to grab some supplies and seeing John Austin and Doty proselytizing to like one homeless guy that is just bummed about losing his squatter's house. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it immediately reminded me of what is probably my favorite Simpsons joke of all time. 
when Homer and family like start a farm and he stops at a store for supplies and the sign reads Sneeds Seed and Feed, formerly Chuck's. Takes a second to register, but I'm still amazed that uh, no censor's got a hold of that one. Sneeds Seed and Feed, formerly Chuck's. Chuck Chuck's suck and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason they'd put it on oh, there. I was yeah. like, okay. Chuck's need and feed? No, that's, yeah. that's what I was like, Sneed, seed, and feed. Chuck's suck and fuck. Nice. I can't. It's still like my favorite Simpsons joke of all time. I was like, I can't believe nobody caught on to that one. They got that one through. Yeah, they did. It passed me and Randy, too. So. <laughs> I was like, you know it's got to be the joke. You can't put formerly Chuck's for no reason, right? It's like Chekhov's gun right there. It has to exist for a reason. Then you're like... Seed, seed, sneed, chuck, suck, fuck, love it. Anyways, uh, John Austin was a pretty legit theologian. He had a bachelor's degree from John Brown University, a master's degree from uh, Northern Baptist Seminary, and a doctor of divinity degree from Oral Roberts University. Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, yeah. Right. <laughs> How fucking childish are we? <laughs> Take we that, Hank House. We hear the <laughs> word oral, we're like, uh, <laughs> It's a bad name. I mean, like I said, as a Dodgers fan, Oral Hershiser, and yeah. I still j like giggle about that one. Dude, my wife works uh, here at home, and I came in here into the office one day uh, last week, and she was like, yeah, and this, this file's named Sequel Dumper. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I started laughing, and we're all just children at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. if you're not laughing at this stuff, you have no soul. I mean, come sequel on. dumper, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Nice>. like SQL. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. In his biography, John uh, said that he did not begin thinking seriously about God until 1939, after leaving a nightclub he frequented. Within a couple of months, he began preaching in Paris, Texas, and was apparently ordained to the gospel ministry shortly before his 18th birthday. So, by hang on, did he get like scared? I don't know exactly. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, like, yeah, he's like becomes a minister shortly before his 18th birthday by a church affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. And that brings a couple of questions to mind, which Randy just brought up. First, a lot of people find Jesus after leaving nightclubs, I imagine. Maybe you have a rough night getting blackout drunk and beat up or shut down by a girl or some combination thereof. And you're like, oh, Jesus, help me. Yeah. So, you know, why do people get so religious in the lowest moments of life? I guess it's desperation. They're looking I guess? for answers they don't have answers to. Yeah, they read a passage and something. Uh, in my opinion, it's always life just has a way of happening. Yeah, and if that's just what you're looking at in that moment, then that's your savior right there. Sure. And yeah, you find know. him out in the bar parking lot. You find him in jail. Jesus is just waiting for you in the worst places possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like I said, who is doing that shit at 16 or 17? Like that sort of drunken rock bottom introspection usually occurs after a hard decade or two. You know what it I'm saying? Pretty much forfeit all the fun in your life if yeah. you're a preacher by the age of 18. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Kirk yeah. Cameron, we're looking at you. Yeah. yeah. I, said, I know that drinking laws were different back in the 30s and people were like pretty much full grown adults by 12. But good Lord, John, like <laughs> that's some, well, some I mean, heavy yeah. shit. They were, you know, marrying off by 15 and stuff yeah. like that back then. So, yeah. Anyway, John is a pretty run of the mill Baptist preacher for a while. But the year before, he and Dodie, his second wife, actually, uh, because he got divorced from his first wife. Man, that's a name that dropped off. Dodie? Dodie? Yeah. Yeah, that's her nickname, I guess. She's Dolores, but that's also but, a name that's dropped yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, name that rhymes with the female body part. That's right. For all right. you Seinfeld fans out there, I haven't right. locked a, locked a uh, Seinfeld reference in. That's it. In a couple episodes. So, Dolores, if... Uh, it's Mulva. Mulva is that's also right. mentioned in that episode. That's right. Yeah, Mulva. 
Jerry can't figure out the girl's name that he's dating. Oh, yeah, and, that's uh, right. Yep. She gives him a hint. <laughs> Mulva. It, it rhymes with a female body part. Yeah. And, uh, You're like, yeah. Smitty's? This is, she asked him, you don't know my name. And he was like, Mulva. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm leaving. And on the way out, he's like, oh. And he runs to the window and he says, Dolores. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, so, but the year before, he and Dodie uh, founded their church in, in Sneed's fe- Seed and Feed. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. He experienced a life-altering event. John and Dodie's first daughter, Lisa, was born with severe health issues. And as he wrestled with her circumstance, his theological beliefs began to shift, and he had an ecstatic religious experience based on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Lakewood Baptist Church reflected his shift from the standard Baptist doctrine to a more charismatic one. In fact, shortly after the church's founding, John dropped Baptist from the name entirely and made it non-denominational, which, depending on how you look at it, uh, means either they're non-doctrinaire or, in the more cynical view, they're willing to take anybody's money. That's kind of my thought. Yeah. Oh, non-denominational. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that. I think, yeah, they'll take anybody, but at the same time, they don't adhere to one specific set yeah. of beliefs and if like outside looking in if you're going to a church and you're like i don't know which church i want to go to i'll go to a non-denominational one you know yeah, yeah. sure because i mean like there's stuff like with the catholics for instance you know they believe they're the only ones going to heaven and mm-hmm. stuff like that so if there's a, people in the community that have problems with like certain issues of different religions if you just go non-denominational you kind of Oh, we're not like the Catholics or the yeah. Baptists. We're you yeah. know we're yeah. we're more understanding. Yeah, and it's like kind of like when you're looking for a new orgy and you want to look for non-domination, non-domination, non-domination one. ones. No, yeah. non-domin- nobody can dominate an orgy unless right. it's like Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's or, just or like a Hell in a Cell, or it's like a Royal Rumble. You just you just fucking somebody come and then throw them out of the fucking room. Yeah, what do you do after you finish? Do you, you go leave? like sit on the sidelines <laughs> you, or you something? Leave? No, you, you sit on a chair and check your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I have no experience with any I, of this. So I can't really. I'm imagine. going. I'm flying by the seat of my pants here, guys. <laughs> I can't really imagine the yeah the end of the orgy when you get that post there's an player. exit yeah, door. You're the first one done. You're yeah. like, well, I'm gonna check ESPN. Well, that was a bit embarrassing. <laughs> You're like, yeah, my phone. All right. Nice. I'm going to go ahead and take oh, that. Sweet. Brave one. <laughs> Anybody else want to check out the scores? You I'll over there. in 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> you look close over there. <laughs> All right. There it is. Hank House, this one's for you, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want. Get some input on who you want to hear about and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends and you'll get new conspiracy court episodes as well. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast to find us today. Now, we've talked uh, in previous episodes, like I said, the Pat Robertson episode, about the difference between Charismatics, Pentecostals, and Southern Baptists. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this aspect. Suffice it to say that Charismatics and Pentecostals both place a high emphasis on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and a physical connection with it. Although the Charismatics don't necessarily give a shit about speaking in tongues as evidence of being taken by the Holy Spirit, whereas the Pentecostals totes do. 
They're the ones, snakes and tongues. Snakes and tongues. All like right. violent, like weird dancing and yeah, all that. They get yeah, yeah. the Holy Spirit through them. They're just like speaking in tongues. Do they do exorcisms and stuff? They like do that? all sorts of shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, the Catholic yeah. Church does exorcisms too. Sure. That's only in bedrooms, though. Yes. Yeah. Never in public. That would be cool if they did, though. <laughs> yeah. I saw an exorcism at my church when I was a kid. It was fucking Are you serious. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Really? 100% ridiculous. Yeah. Cast huh. out the demon. I was like, oh shit. Don't let this shit get near me. Man, I would want to see, like, I I'm ready see. to go, mom. I'm yeah. ready to go. Like, I mean, as a kid, I would want to be like, all right, there's a locust about to fly out of his head or oh, something yeah. like that. No, you know it, was, like, it was, it was, uh, I would, even at that age, I knew it was, it would be best described as uh, underwhelming. You know, yeah, but they were yeah. like, "Cast out the demon!" Really big build up. Yeah, and it was just like that scene nothing. in um, Ghostbusters when Slimer goes through, you know, the Ghostbuster guy. That's yeah. exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Huh. yeah. <laughs> 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 nah, I'm kidding. It was all bullshit. <laughs> uh, man, before 1955, the religious mainstream did not embrace Pentecostal or charismatic interpretations of Christianity. However, by the 1960s. Many of the characteristic teachings were gaining acceptance among Christians uh, within mainline Protestant denominations, such as Baptists. This transition occurred uh, following an increased popularity of use of the gifts of spirit during the healing revival period of 1946 to 1958. Massive interdenominational meetings held by the healing revival evangelists, including uh, William M. Branham, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen and others led to increased awareness and acceptance. Oral Roberts. That's it. (laughs) And as I mentioned before, John Austin attended Oral Roberts University for his doctrinaire and divinity. So take that for what you will. Chicken or egg, or maybe neither. Yeah. 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 Everybody's getting hype on that oral shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, still to this day, we're hype on that oral shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not talking B. But yeah, it ain't Oral Roberts we're hype on. I don't know. Oral B. Or will be a toothbrush. All right. Well, that's our sponsor for the show. There it is. <laughs> Thanks for use Oral B for all those deep nooks and crannies that's in your it. mouth. That's it. Cast out those demons from your teeth. <laughs> Either way, the shift into charismatic Pentecostal uh, interpretations was in full swing by the time John started Lakewood, and he rides that wave to success. By 1979, attendance was over 5,000, and the church was becoming prominent amongst Pentecostals and Charismatics. Well, that's a pretty big buildup. It is, yeah, from, you know, Sneeds all the way up to 5,000. It's actually a pretty big deal. 5,000 congregation is fucking massive. Yeah, that's a mega church. It is. And especially back in 79, 80, stuff mm-hmm. like that, that's huge. Yeah, you didn't have the internet or, like, broadcasting or anything really at that point. At that time, young Joel was a sophomore or junior at Humble High School in Humble, Texas, and there really isn't much that I can find about his youth. I've sincerely tried to find shit. There's just not a lot there. Uh, he just sort of existed as John Austin's son, youngest of six, went to Humble High School, and then... I would imagine, like, church-going, kind of vanilla douche. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when your dad's the preacher. Oh, you know, he's so. mega church. He's privileged. He's mm-hmm. all of the things you would imagine from yeah. a mega church's son. He's yeah. like Zach Morris riding around down there in Humble, Texas. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I could see that. Odd that he uh, lives in Humble, Texas, and uh-huh. yeah, he's well to do. Anyway, <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, after graduating high school, he entered into Oral Roberts University to study radio and television broadcasting. Nothing like being a legacy at a divinity college, I suppose. Yeah, I don't imagine that the party scene was necessarily outrageous at old <laughs> ORU, but who knows? Maybe Joel, <laughs> because Joel does not graduate, so maybe he parted his way out of college. I also like to imagine that the fraternities at Oral Roberts University aren't part of Greek life, but maybe Hebrew life. 
Bro, I'm pledging Mem Bet Gimmel for sure. Those dudes have the best sacramental wine in Jezebel's. <laughs> Imagine uh, Joel Osteen doing a keg stand. Yeah. That would be uh, a wine stand. Oh, yeah. You know, right. They just have like a wine skin, like one of those things. That, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like the wine bag. Yeah, wine bag. Or he's got to funnel it. He's uh-huh. got to funnel a wine bag. Uh, oh, yes. no, it would be one of those like uh, those those uh, ram's horns that they use. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. And yeah. he just fuck, he does it and like everybody cheers, yeah. arms in the air. And Joel, just, Joel, Joel, just, Joel, Joel. Then he Joel. just blows chunks everywhere. <laughs> yeah, college life. You got some in your hair, Joel? Yeah. <laughs> it washes right out. <laughs> Anyway, whatever the reason, Joel drops out and comes back home to work for his dad. What does he do for John's church? Well, they took a look at Joel and decided to play to his strengths. They made him security because he can easily hide an earpiece wire and a camera in his ridiculously massive hair. <laughs> and I'm talking about one of those giant 1980s camcorders. <laughs> it's just the Sony, like, yeah, yeah like Clark, over the shoulder. Clark Griswold, <laughs> yeah. fucking, yeah. It's in it, the hair. He had to go deep undercover to figure out who was stealing <laughs> right. the tithes. And uh-huh. they just put it in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, instead, Joel takes over the media portion of Lakewood Church. According to Joel's own take on his youth, quote, from his earliest memory, Joel Austin sat at the knee of his father, whose entire life was focused on reaching those in need. While John Austin was a successful pastor, Joel's first experiences were in the areas of media and business, where he quickly established an international reputation. Turning to media, Joel became a successful television producer, creating the John Austin television program and developing it into a global outreach. The capstone on his media career was building KTBU TV 55 into a premier independent television station for the Houston market. All right. End quote. So I will give him some credit on this. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he kind of took this media division, mm-hmm. uh, made it into something viable and got it going. You know what I mean? That's got obviously his strength. Yeah. Obviously, his strength is to kind of build the the business piece of religion. Yeah. Which I'll give him a little bit of credit because, like you said, he, he took this. Yeah. idea and kind of made it and built on it pretty significantly yeah. to make the, the outreach that much more. All right, so if I'm understanding this correct, Dad built it up from the ground up, but then switched gears and kind of turned it into Joel's empire? They gave Joel the media portion. The media. Yeah, the, media yeah. portion. the marketing. So he wasn't he wasn't doing any broadcasting. He just had his big giant church. It was but all he has it was a major local. in communications. So he yeah, kind of well, Joel does. Yeah, yeah Joel. Yeah. yeah, John. John had the huge church. Joel comes in and is like, "I can make it even bigger." Yep. Yeah. And he's like, "We'll do it with broadcasting, right?" Hey, yeah. that's smart as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like, good for him. Yeah. In a sense, it's like, like he at the time is almost like seeing the internet in a sense as sure. that way to. You I'm know, not going to give him that much credit. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I said, while Joel might have gone to humble high school, it sounds like he graduated from arrogant university there with the quickly established an international reputation. a boy. There it is. International Mikey. man of mystery. Right. He's a spy. He's got a camera in his hair. <laughs> but the truth is, he did do a pretty amazing job, like we were just talking about, at starting and running his father's television programming for his Sunday services. But it, God's also not hard to sell, so... No, especially everybody's out in the out in the parking lot at a bar or in prison. Yeah, especially <laughs> if Dad's good at selling it. That's true. You know. Yeah. And just like John Austin catching the wave of charismatic Christianity, Joel most certainly caught the wave of televangelism. A largely deregulated media market allowed for a massive boom in uh, televised sermons and other Christian-oriented content around that time. The success of John Austin's programming followed a path that was largely paved by people like our boy Oral Roberts and our other boy Pat Robertson, who we covered a while back, died recently, and if there is a hell, is most certainly doing his best Costco rotisserie chicken impression as we speak. That's right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Joel's production of the weekly broadcast John Austin show allowed for the charismatic preacher's Sunday sermons to reach millions by the end of the 1990s. 
And had fate not intervened, Joel likely would have remained behind the scenes, simply producing and directing his father's weekly pulpit ramblings. And let's pause for a minute here for a quick side conversation. What I've never understood is how they get so much out of one book to have endless conversations about it week in and week out. Like, I understand that the Bible is not a small book at all. I get that there are a lot of interpretations available. But every week for centuries, it's the source material. It's like a humanity's equivalent of listening to nothing but Pink Floyd's The Wall for a decade. And aside from the voluminous size of the Bible, at the same time, most of these types of preachers aren't really digging into deeper cuts from it either. They tend to stick to the popular well-tread paths. Just once, I'd like to hear a sermon on Deuteronomy 23.1, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So, <laughs> if you've lost your dick or balls in some kind of horrible machinery accident, you can kiss heaven goodbye, I guess. I didn't Dang know, it! I, I didn't know that piece. No. Interesting. That's one caveat I did not know. Yeah. Well, be glad you have your dick and balls. T-I-L. That's it. Yeah. John Crook is not going to enter the gates of heaven. Oh. He can get halfway he can get in. get halfway in. Yeah. He's got one foot in the door. He's in the halfway house. <laughs> yeah. He's in purgatory. Yeah. 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 Or maybe a preacher could get into the part where the Bible tells you that turning to booze in tough times is a great idea. <laughs> Proverbs 31.6. Give strong drink to one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. You know? Yeah. That's fair. He's like, drink your drink your problems away. I want to see an entire like Sunday sermon about drinking your problems away. <laughs> I would have shown up for that one a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and if you're doing it right, there's fucking open bar at O'Malley's Bar and Pub after the service. To that's really, right. I mean. Just keep the ball pr- rolling. Proof is in yeah, the pudding. Yeah. It. Let's yeah. fucking heavy communion and then go do it. You know. That's it. Yeah. So now we've learned. <laughs> heavy communion. Heavy <laughs> communion. Yeah. That's what it is. Heavy yeah. petting and yeah. heavy yeah. communion. Yeah. yeah. You get like six trips up to, for the fucking. I don't want bread the last five. Just no. fucking. <laughs> Yeah. Just give me the wine, homeboy. I'm just trying to get I, this we'll done. Be, yeah, we'll be at the after party. That's it. Preacher's yeah. like fighting you to get the wine cup back. They're like, pull your pants down. Let's see if you have any <laughs> dick and balls before I give you any more of this sacramental wine. Can't get into heaven. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got to check. Exactly. It'll well, what be. if what if you're so bummed out about not having dick and balls that you're, that's that's the problem. So you have yeah, to drink you, the wine. You self-medicate and drink. Yeah. yeah. I think I think there's some some problems here. I think we need to re like revisit this whole Bible. I mean, if you're on your deathbed, do you put like a fake balls and strap on on just to try to like I mean, mask God it knows. on your way up? God knows. God, well, God will know. But like, yeah. look at the effort I put. Try. No, look at the effort I put forth. I didn't. Yeah. Mean, I didn't mean like, for all this to happen. Yeah. It was a farm equipment, dog. Like, yeah. shit. I got eight inches and some fake balls. Saint bro. Peter's like, get hard. Prove it. Watch this. Get hard right now. It's like a fucking Reebok pump. Yeah. I pump it up like the shoe, and I'm fucking watch that, Pete. What you got, homeboy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's where I'm at with all that. Yeah. Yeah. Now back to our regular (laughs) scheduled programming. (laughs) On uh, January 23rd, 1999, God reaches down from the heavens, explodes John Austin's heart, and collects his (laughs) worldly body. Mike, I'm glad you really took a lot of couth and yeah. uh, we're, we're sensitive to the subject. That's exactly right. Yeah. But hearts explode. That's so it. So let's keep it real and it happened to that guy. That's it. And it did happen. So it's fact. Yeah. His heart attacked him. That stinks. That's it. You know, yeah. And sad. Anytime anybody loses their life, you know. Sometimes and it's okay. Not, and they're not, yeah, and they're not a, a giant asshole. It's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He took his uh, worldly body. Uh, an era had ended because as Joel tells it, he never had any intention of assuming the holy man mantle from his father. He just wanted to be a television producer. But Ruff- actual, roughly, how old is his dad when he passes? Like, is I it think he's expected? Like seventy something? Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's up there, but not necessarily. Yeah. No, he was living the average 
you know, yeah. male lifespan at that time. Uh, but in actuality, the battle of whether to assume the seat at the head of the Austin Ministries table was short and decisive because five days before John actually died, as he lay in a hospital and slipping away, Joel delivered his first sermon to Lakewood Church. Okay. And while John Austin had been a very popular evangelist with a large following that he built over four decades, Joel took off like a rocket ship and created similar growth in four years. Oh, wow. Seriously, check out their move to a new church quickly after they'd outgrown the old one under Joel's leadership. Under Joel Austin, Lakewood's congregation increased almost fivefold. Attendance increased to 30,000 weekly, prompting a move from its location at 7317 East Houston Road to a larger facility. In late 2003... Mikey, let me pause you one second. Yeah. All right. Keep in mind. All right. So, think. oh, that's 30,000 a week. That's crazy. Think of your Major League Baseball average attendance mm-hmm. for a weeknight. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting 10,000. Yep. On, a, on a, a Saturday game, yep. you're getting thirty to 40,000. Yeah. So, think about if you go to a ball game on a Saturday mm-hmm. to go watch whatever team you're at and all those people in the stadium. Imagine that at a church. Well, well that I mean, I was thinking that like he would almost have to rent out the Astro Stadium. Or, you or guys almost, are getting right or, to the point or, here. Or look, almost any basketball stadium holds about 25 or it's actually like Phillips Arena holds like 18, yeah. 20,000, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for this? Yeah. In late 2003, the church signed a long-term lease with the city of Houston to acquire the Compact Center, a 29-year-old former sports arena that the Rockets the had. Rockets the Rockets were in. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hakeem yeah. the Dream, I believe. That's right. Known. Absolutely yeah. did. Mr. Elijah Wan. That's right. Lakewood Church relocated to the Compact Center on July 16, 2005. It is a 16,800-seat facility in the southwest downtown Houston along U.S. Highway 59 that had twice the capacity of its former sanctuary. The church was required to pay $11.8 million in rent in advance for the first 30 years of the lease. Lakewood wow. renovated the new campus at an estimated cost of a hundred million dollars, and paid that rent. So there's about a hundred. That's a hundred and fifteen well, up front. Yeah, one fifteen up front. That is a fucking ton of money. Yeah, yeah. It is. Jesus. Yeah, literally. Jesus. And they struck the check for it. Sounds like. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to pay taxes, so that helps a yeah, lot. That does help a lot. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. man. Why did Joel become so popular, so big, so fast? Was it the 1980s game show host good looks, huge hair, and a smile that is simultaneously incredible and terrifying? Maybe. But I think a large part of it had to do with his shift in tone from his father. Joel Austin's sermons, in some ways, became much less about strict scripture and much more about self-improvement and life advice. Yep. His approach, in my opinion, could be categorized as prosperity gospel or prosperity ministry. You know, I noticed that a little bit in my research. Like, when I went to YouTube and searched Joel Austin. It was all like a lot of it was like how to calm the anxiety in your day and like more like how to deal with like everyday world events more so than like preaching from the Absolutely. Bible per yeah. se. Yeah. 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 And a lot of it, like I said, is, is what I would categorize like prosperity gospel. He's he's not just talking about, oh, well, you know, this is how you make your day better. He also talks a lot about like, you know, God wants you to have things. Right. So like there's a Vox article I found on the subject and they're talking about like prosperity gospel, prosperity ministries and what that is. And it's like a branch of Christianity that promises a direct path to a good life. Right. It's called by many names, but most often it's nicknamed the prosperity gospel for its bold central claim that God will give you your heart's desires, money in the bank, healthy body, a thriving family and boundless happiness. If you just subscribe to whatever they're telling you. That's all you got to do. Buy into it. That's it. And pay into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This subtype of Christianity is distinctly American, according to a historian on the matter. Kate Bowler says that it is basically formed at an intersection of three ideologies. Pentecostalism, 
New thought, an ideology that holds that infinite intelligence or God is everywhere. Spirit is the totality of real things. True human selfhood is divine. Divine thought is a force for good. Sickness originates in the mind. And right thinking has a healing effect. And the American gospel of pragmatism, individualism, and upward mobility. This American gospel was best exemplified by Andrew Carnegie's Gospel of Wealth and Russell Conwell's famous sermon, Acres of Diamonds, in which, uh, <clears throat> in which Conwell equated poverty with sin and asserted that anyone could become rich through hard work. This gospel of wealth, however, was an expression of muscular Christianity and understood success to be the result of personal effort rather than divine intervention. Yeah, because I feel like I work pretty fucking hard, mm-hmm. and yeah, the wealth isn't quite there where uh, no. I want it. It is yeah. actually sort of the source of the what the uh, idea of the American dream was around like the 19th and 20th centuries. Yeah. You know, the, that was no, a, a concept that really became popular around that time. It was like, yeah, you could have freedom of religion and do whatever you wanted to, but then the idea of like, oh, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and that's what we're talking about in another episode where we're talking about like the Protestant work ethic. Yeah. Where you're saying, oh, we well, just work really, really hard. And like, like they're talking about, uh, they're equating like poverty to sin. Like it's like being slothful or something like that. Yeah. As opposed to just maybe unlucky sometimes. Right, right. Simply put, Prosperity Ministries is like 70% self-help seminar with 30% religious underpinnings. And yes, those numbers are entirely pulled from my ass, but it feels about right. And honestly, this is kind of where it goes into the lady that listens to Joel Osteen mm-hmm. on her way to work. Yep. Because it is a lot of, like, motivational talk, right? Sure. Your day will start out great, you know. And people, obviously, if you go to church, like, you would think, oh, that's a good way to start my day. Yeah. And I guess to each his own, right? You do you. I don't give a fuck what you do. But yeah, um, to pick, I don't know, knowing what I know about this guy, like, that's the last fucking thing I'll ever want to listen to on the way to work. I got to catch up, one, on my sports scores, and two, kind of, like, get in my own little zone before I get to work. Yeah. Yeah. But we've seen this time and time again, and also, like, for instance, the Jordan Peterson episode, you know, where he'll sit there and he'll, you know, be spouting out some good stuff, you know, and kind of get you hooked, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, kind of turn on a dime on you a little bit. So I'm interested if that's what Joel's doing, uh, like, kind of like, you know, preaching all the stuff to, like, get you through your day and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but then... But, you know, the Lord doesn't operate for free, you know, yeah. and we've got to, yeah. you know. Hey, that compact center ain't going to pay for yeah. itself. Yeah, exactly. You I know? got bills, bitch. Yeah. <clears throat> and while Joel does his best to avoid the label uh, of prosperity ministry, his overall message overlaps pretty heavily with the tenets of prosperity gospel, saying himself, quote, God wouldn't have allowed it if I was going to keep you from your destiny. Shake off a victim mentality and have a victor mentality. And let's look at some of the titles of his books, right? Your Best Life Now, Seven Steps to Living at Your Full Potential. Become a Better You, Seven Keys to Improve Your Life Every Day. Every Day of Friday, How to Be Happier, Seven Days a Week. Breakout, Five Keys to Go Beyond Your Barriers and Live an Extraordinary Life or The Abundance Mindset, Success Starts Here. These are all book titles that could just as easily have been listed under Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a very, very uh, similar to Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah. Sure. Or even like, what was it, uh, Jordan Peterson's like 10 steps? That's what it is. It was like he basically just like Googled what do people Mm -hmm. want and then like wrote books, titles based on that. Well, people love listicles. Remember like in 2010 toward the early 2010s, like everything was a listicle because it is it breaks things up. Right. That's why every book that I just mentioned. It's like seven ways to do this, seven ways to do this, five ways to do this. I mean, it, it literally is like a long form listicle. 
and you can sort of just skip through and people just I guess they find some sort of inspiration in that. They love the Chapter three really yeah. spoke to me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one about starting a podcast and making a billion dollars. So uh just FYI, Tony Robbins came in at a six point one nine yeah. final score That's on right. the asshole court. That's right. Uh, yeah. Scale. We, we we kind of had deemed that he was somebody that, you know, we didn't like that he was like talking to that dude's daughter. And like, kind of turning daughter on father. Bobby, the, er, there was Bobby. a good bit there, buddy. I'll give you credit for remembering that much about that show. I, yeah, yeah, but otherwise, he was just kind of a savvy businessman. You know, yeah. like there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone for that one. Certainly not. And uh, just like his father shifted with the religious zeitgeist of the fifties into charismatic Christianity, and later grew his ministry with the rising popularity of televangelism. Joel attached his fortunes to the rising popularity of prosperity gospel and the self-helpism of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And what a fortune that that has created. His assets include multiple multi-million dollar homes, a yacht, a garage full of exotic cars, including a Ferrari 458 Italia, and a private jet, an $86 million Airbus A19 to be more specific. And this is what he uses to travel and mm-hmm. bet- you know, anywhere he wants to go, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, he didn't even have just a regular like Gulfstream. He has a full on Airbus A nineteen. Airbus, yeah, yeah. I was waiting. Yeah, is this like a eighty six uh, million John Travolta style? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's so. a it's a plane plane. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a jet. Yeah, he's also allegedly spent a good bit on plastic surgery. Yeah, dude, this guy fucking looks like a freak. <laughs> he does, <laughs> like man. A, yeah, yeah, like, like a, I said, if you look at a picture, I'm mean, like, oh, yeah, that guy's had a lot of work done. Yeah, it looks like considering it. that he's what. Late fifties. He's he was born in sixty three, so he's yeah. he's sixty now. Yeah, 60 there you plus. go. Six years yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he dyes his hair. Yeah. There's definitely some uh, vanity involved. Oh my there, god, sure. look at him, dude! Everything looks like he has a fucking Instagram filter on yep. all of his pictures. It mm-hmm. does. Do you think if he didn't dye his hair, it'd be like Johnny Knoxville? Now he has like the white hair that he, he doesn't just, dye it. Just own it, you know. I'm saying uh, it almost looks about... like maybe plugs too. You think so? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Remember, he came look, out. Like I'm a... just jealous. Fuck him anyway. I have no hair. Whatever. I would rather have no hair than his hair, though. That scrunched oh, yeah. up gel looking thing. I'm yeah, like, Ugh, it's, dude. it's rough. Yeah, it looks it's a jerry curl. And you're 60. We know the score. Yeah, We know it's up. Yeah. Your hair yeah. ain't black like that. Hell, I'm 41. I got way more gray hair than you do, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, that ain't right. Although you're salt and pepper sexy. Man. Thank you. It's yeah. a, it's yeah. a weird patches, though. I yeah, wish it was more right. poly walnuts and less skunk. <laughs> yeah. If you had those weird silver wings on yeah. the side of your hair, I don't oh, know. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Chipmunk wings or whatever. I go uh, full Uncle Fester, so no room for air. And my, my beard stays pretty short. That's so. okay. Hey, you got, a, you got a good shaped head for being bald, so it Thanks. works. I appreciate that. It works, yeah. 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 So, yeah, he's got plastic surgery. Uh, and like I said, that doesn't feel like super Christ like. But as a non religious person, that's not my call to make, I suppose. Yeah, there was that line in the Bible about, you know, ego. and There's a lot of lines in there about, yeah. yeah. I think there's one that's like, thou shalt not dye thy hair yeah. with bottle dye <laughs> just for men shall be forsaken. Thou shall not use Botox, I think was one. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Thou shall only use L.A. looks. <laughs> he yeah. definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he, he doesn't, though. He could get the same look with a Dollar General L.A. looks <laughs> setup, but he probably pays like... $45 for yeah. like a tiny bottle of gel that he uses like every day. Anyways, additionally, uh, according to a couple sources I found, Joel pays himself a salary of $54 million annually. Although that is tough to prove. I found one that was 54, one that was 55, one that said he made $70 million a year on average. Either way, we're talking massive, Who massive gives a fuck? Money. Let's call it minimum $50 yeah. million dollars a year. 
even it, half hey, that hey, number. Right, Twenty-five. So, everybody like, out there, think about this. That matches the highest like per year contract for any professional sports player in North America. Yeah, right? that's, that's insane. Yeah. Like, that's the base for the highest NBA players, LeBron. Yep. Uh, yeah, like what's LeBron pulling? Less than 50, I think. Uh, I think Lionel Messi now with – there's. I mean, it is – It's way up there. Few yeah. and far between where you get 50 mil a year. Yeah. 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 Well, he's saving souls, bro. This, yeah. yeah. That's what, he's Here going he hard in the paint yeah. on the devil. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so now you have the background of Joel Austin's story. Let's delve into his controversies. Aside from the general uncomfortableness of using Christianity to create a massive fortune. So uh, let's see that, you know, we'll see what we can get here to work up an asshole score. Uh, And the first is likely the most famous. It was mentioned by Randy and Buddy in the uh, prelim scores. And that's in late uh, August 2017. The Houston area was thoroughly wrecked by Hurricane Harvey. The disaster resulted in the death of an estimated 103 people, flooded a third of the USA's fourth largest city, and caused roughly $125 billion in damage. Jeez. Yeah. It was a difficult time for the area, and like any good religious leader, Joel Austin had some words of wisdom and solace to offer. Quote, Jesus promises us peace that passes understanding. That's peace when it doesn't make sense. He tweeted that out at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And those are encouraging words for people that are struggling, for sure. Trouble is, Austin had plenty more to give than just comforting words. Namely... The Lakewood Church, a 16,800-seat <laughs> arena-turned-megachurch that was very near to downtown Houston and could easily have been used to house a significant portion of the many Houstonians in need of a temporary shelter. Several people immediately pointed out that Austin's giant facility hadn't opened its doors to the many people in need, despite the fact that it appeared to be undamaged by the flood. Yeah, like, even just open up the floors, man. Yeah. Like, let them have sleeping bags on Dude, the floors. If yeah. you really are what you say you are and a, a man of Christ or whatever you claim to be, you got to help people, man. Like, Agreed. you have to. That's, uh, you know, like, God didn't say, you know, or Jesus didn't say, well, help it, those unless well, it's hurricaning, well, yeah. remember, unless they damage your property. Unless it's hurricaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his last day, he chose to wash the feet of his enemies instead of... uh. Shotgunning beers and yeah. stuff in his mouth before he got killed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, went, that went off the rails real quick. Oh, man. Uh, as entertainment publicist Danny Duraney put it on Twitter, quote, Open your church. <laughs> you have taken so much money from your people to live like a king. It's the least you could do. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, like, think about it. What's the worst amount of damage they could do? As people in there. You saw what they did at the Superdome. You don't want them peeing on things, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and versus your $54 million a year salary. Hey, like, man, they just spent $100 million. Trying to, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to have some homeless dude pee on it. <laughs> Come on. Even Jesus gets that. You know what I'm saying? He was hanging out with like dudes that were like homeless, but they weren't peeing on things. Yeah, donate half of 1% of your salary to clean your church up after. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. could write it off. Half of 1%. Keep that You don't have to write it off. They don't even pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to write off. You just get to collect all that money. <laughs> Nobody understands it. Mm-mm. That's why they call it a write-off. Yeah. That's right. They just write it off. Yeah. Austin's camp uh, pointed out safety concerns for why they were unable to shelter displaced Houstonians, but the damage was done. And it was a pretty clear example of deeds over words. And although he opened the doors when the PR situation became untenable, uh, when called to the floor on it, Austin, instead of admitting fault, threw gasoline on the flames. In a post-disaster interview, he stated, quote, Had we opened the building sooner and someone got injured or perhaps the building flooded and someone lost their lives, that would have been a very different story. 
Now, I don't mind taking the heat for being precautious, but I don't want to take the heat for being foolish. This is not just an attack on me. It's an attack on what we stand for, for faith, for hope, for love. And additionally, he said, we are not going to understand everything that happens, but, you know, having a poor old me mentality or look what I lost or why did this happen? That's just going to pull you down. Like we've been talking about all night. You just got to turn it over and say, God, you're still on the throne. Wow. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Very, very cool. God's still on the throne. Whatever will happen will happen. Don't feel bad that your fucking house got wiped out and that like my awesome fucking Houston Rockets arena is totally safe. (laughs) And I didn't want you guys to pee on the floors down here. I remember the uh, memes that went off at this time, too. And it was insane the way that the Internet reacted to him. Yeah, it felt like it was about like two weeks worth yeah. of just like fuel on all oh, yeah. on Austin. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. naked hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't have to be a smart person to see that. It's so obvious. In fact, it's it, pathetic, dude. Yeah, it is it's fucking pathetic. Him dude, being like a PR person and obviously good at, at public relations to get to this point, you're yeah. like, did you not? What did you think was gonna happen? He thought that no one was gonna catch it. Right. Yeah. But the problem right. is, even if they, once they caught it, so you open your doors and you say, "Look, we fucked up," and I'm sorry. We we really we should have been here sooner. Yeah. Here's the receipts to say that we were worried about a safety precaution, and I'm really sorry. Instead, we brought was, sandwiches. Yeah. Like yeah. instead, he was just like, "You don't feel sorry for yourself. That's not important. You have no. to know that God's here. Yeah. You might not understand why your house got wrecked and why mine's not wrecked, and I have awesome hair and a fucking jet that's an Airbus. Yeah. You know." Sent from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, interestingly enough, he did help earlier at one point uh, in his, when he was like head of the Lakewood Church. Back in 2001, when there was Tropical Storm Allison and it caused flooding in the Houston area, Lakewood Church uh, was opened as a shelter to approximately 5,000 displaced persons. So it's more complicated, I suppose. Why do it when a lesser storm uh, occurs, but not in a major one? Yeah. Something happened. I think, you know, you just, it really is. I think when you get a certain I amount I think of, honestly he got scared of the masses. He knew there was a lot of people, mm-hmm. and he wasn't sure who those types of people were going to be coming into his church. And but he let five thousand in into a smaller church before. Yeah, but that's also some. If he's allowing five thousand people in in a small church environment, you know more everybody at that point. When you're dealing with everybody in Houston, like mm-hmm. I guess there is like I mean, letting in thirty thousand people versus you know like that's. It's a capacity issue, but I mean, obviously, he was max capacity for the smaller church, yeah, five thousand. I think honestly, what it comes down to is sincerely, when people get a certain amount of wealth, they become very sort of distance from average people. Yeah, like oh, it just, no, they yeah. Just, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're not. There's no relation. They don't understand nope. how it works. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, okay, on to the next controversy. In one less than savory source article on Austin, which I'll admit it wasn't great, but there wasn't a lot there. The subheader reads. Did Joel Austin's church staff body slam a baby? Which wow. let me let me just what? pause, <laughs> brother. I want to hear more about the detail of this one, brother. Say, so they body slammed that baby at WrestleMania 47. It's gonna take me to the next level, brother. As this li- communion is going straight through the ground, dude. I, I just want to pause and appreciate like how salacious that subtitle is. Like, I mean, good lord, did Joel Austin? <laughs> did Joel Austin's church staff body slam a baby? The story goes like this: In March seven, I'm sorry, March 2017, Radar Online reported that Austin and Lakewood Church were being sued by a family accusing a church staff member of body slamming its baby girl. Court documents obtained by the site claimed that in May 2014, a representative of the church grabbed a child safety seat housing Victoria Wetterburn, a minor, and threw the seat off the church pew. Victoria landed face first on the floor while still strapped to the safety seat. 
causing seriously <laughs> serious bodily injury and extensive mental and emotional damage. Hang on, how old was the? They child? didn't say, but obviously she's in a little baby booster seat, so it's pretty small, you know. And he just launched it for no reason. This is what the claim was. Okay, so I don't know. Like I said, did that happen? Maybe. Look, call me an asshole. Emotional damage to a baby. Emotional <laughs> damage. Right. Keep reading. Attorneys are gonna definitely they're gonna stack. That's what you got to do, yeah. right? Uh, like I said, did it happen? Maybe I don't know, but it doesn't seem like Joel Austin himself body slammed a baby. Austin's attorneys claimed, quote, the incident that made the basis of the suit was caused by the actions of third parties over whom the Austins had no control, end quote. Stone Cold Joel Austin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that Body. Joel Austin's music? He's <laughs> <laughs> taking the baby out. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Austin also claimed the church and its employees had no liability for the incident uh, based on the Charitable Immunity Act. The church reportedly settled with the Wedderburn family for $15,000, despite asserting it had no wrongdoing and that the claims were entirely made up. 15000 light, that's not even bad. Nothing. Yeah. That's a drop in the bucket. That's right. That's yeah. one pass through the coffers on one row. Yeah, that ain't shit. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. All I had to do was to turn your baby's head into an ashtray. And <laughs> 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 yep. Ow. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this? Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. Okay, next controversy. On February 2010, a Lakewood Church volunteer in the church's special needs children's ministry, the Champions Club, was accused of inappropriate sexual conduct with a special needs child, leading to a child protective services investigation into the organization. Oh, man. Which is Damn. extremely disgusting. Oh. But what's important is how it's dealt with. So let's see how that went, shall we? Yeah. Court documents obtained by Radar Online revealed that a female volunteer, quote, allegedly witnessed Alvaro Daniel Guzman touching the child assigned to him in an inappropriate fashion, end quote. The female volunteer reportedly told higher-ups who, quote, advised her that she should contact Child Protective Services and report them what she had witnessed, end quote. Guzman was subsequently dismissed from his volunteer position. So honestly, Austin and Lakewood Church, like, come out looking pretty good on this one. Had they ignored it or, like, worse, covered it up like so many churches do, yeah. <laughs> Catholic church, <laughs> then he'd certainly get some points. But it sounds like he, like the church handled it pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, maybe they should have contacted the I agree. authorities I think versus that they, I being think, like, you should. Well, I think that it's difficult when she's making that claim. Yeah. I think that she has to be the one to go and make the claim as the person that that was a witness. That's yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. I do believe that's fair. Yeah. I, I just don't like. I was reading it. I was like, here we go. And I was like, no, that's not. No. They actually yeah. handled that very well. Yeah. I wish there was more uh, juice to that squeeze. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I know. No, we definitely want that kid to get touched. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, Mike. God damn it, man. All right, next controversy. But you're right, that kind of came across <laughs> kind of wrong, yeah. Especially the juice of that squeeze. I was like, it, it is the groping issue of a child. <laughs> Carry on. All right. 
Following the August 2017 white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, where street brawls broke out, groups marched with torches chanting, Jews will not replace us, and peaked with a white supremacist driving his car through a crowd of protesters and killing Heather Heyer, Austin took a both-sides-are-bad approach, stating, one of the biggest challenges we all face is getting along with people because everyone is different. We have different personalities, different temperaments. He then went on to explain that just because someone's doing something wrong, quote, doesn't mean that you have to engage. And I'll say that Heather Heyer probably didn't intentionally engage with the front end of that Nazi's car, but okay. Oh, no. Do I think Austin is pro-Nazi? Not at all. I really don't. I think he's an intuitive PR guy uh, that in this moment gave a tepid response when asked about the situation to avoid courting controversy from either side, and it blew up in his face. Yeah. yeah. You got. I mean, he tried to play middle ground, yep. and it didn't work out. You're going to have so many fucking situations mm-hmm. if you're in that type of position. And you try to play middle ground as much as you can just to kind of just get through it, yeah, right? Play the fen- yeah, yeah, play yeah, the fence. Yeah, play the fence. Play both sides. Sometimes so. it's going to blow up on you and you're yeah. like, God damn it. Yeah. I mean, should he have more aggressively condemned the white nationalists? Yeah, I think so. And look, let me bring up one thing. Like, the white nationalists, the Nazis. We've seen kind of a, a recent little, like, uptick in, like, I've seen, like, Nazis down in yeah. Florida and yeah. all this. Sure. I thought we all kind of agreed a long time ago, like... As a society, as a world, that Nazis suck dick. The Nazis, we're not, we're not cool with the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's one thing. Like we all kind of agreed on. Eh, the Nazis I, are just not. We're not. I, no, no, yeah. no. You just can't. You can't go there. I guess you can now. God I don't almighty, know. It's kind yeah, of mind blowing. They're rearing their head up again. And oh it's yeah. just just disturbing. Man. It is very strange, and I. Uh, it is shocking. But how honestly, like regardless of where you stand, like I thought we all kind of agreed. That's what I'm saying. The Nazis were out. Like we're out. Like Everybody, said, everybody's out, you know. Like yeah. I, said, I mean, it shouldn't be controversial or difficult to denounce neo-Nazis and white nationalists. But like I said, these days, that's tougher for public figures for some reason, as weak as that is. Yeah. I don't know why anybody would sit there and be like, I don't know, you know, both sides are, are pretty bad. You're like, these guys are legitimate Nazis. Like, that's not, it's not okay. You got to be empathetic there, Mikey. You yeah. know, got to, yeah. you know, walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Nazis can fuck off, dude. Yeah. Again, we all agreed on that long ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We fought a war for that shit like what eighty years ago, and it was like, but I, I don't know. Who knows? Germany almost wasn't made a country again uh, because of the Nazis, and yeah. we're like, uh, well, no, you know, they're cool. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, honestly, they're hardcore against Nazis. They're way yeah. more hardcore against Nazis than than we are over yeah. here. They don't put up. Yeah, go good. throw a fucking Zeke Heil over there and see what happens. You were uh-huh. going to jail. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you do that, uh, fuck you. You should. You yeah, suck. you should yeah. go to jail. Yeah. Anyways, next controversy. In May 2017, Austin attended his son's graduation at the University of Texas. While there, Austin and his son posed for a photo flashing the school's signature Hook'em Horns hand gesture, a sign meant to mimic the university's Longhorn mascots. Sure. And of course, his base, being unable to think in any shades of gray, or at all really, declared that Austin was obviously signaling that the devil is awesome. Oh my god. One no. Twitter response read, uh, No. Yeah. They dude, hook that, horns. That's yeah, that's their thing, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah, yeah. But no, it's also Satan, bro. You can't have long horns. Long All right, horn so the, the hook them horns. Imagine it's your pinky finger up. Yeah. Your ring finger and your middle finger down. Yeah. Your pointer finger up. Oh, it's yeah, the right? rock sign. It's the rock sign. Yeah. And yeah. Your thumb holding down the two middle. That's it's literally. It. But that's their. Yeah. That's their. It motto. has been. It's a long horn with your hand. And the yeah. University of Oklahoma. Turn it upside down. Yeah. Down horns. Down with the horns. That's like right. it's very elementary. Yeah, it is. It it's is. not the devil. This is long standing. Yeah. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. One Twitter response read, quote, The sign, sir. I honor you, but that hand gesture sent a very bad signal, sir. Can't believe it's you. 
Uh, this 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 actually makes me feel bad for Joel. Like, what a crock of shit to have to deal with. The but guy can't even enjoy fucking football. Yeah. That does make it's me feel bad. It's his son's graduation. Yeah. It's just not even a football game. He's at his son's graduation from the University of Texas, and he's there in his graduation, and they're both showing hook em horn signs. Yeah. That's kind of shitty. You come home from that all pumped up, and, yeah. and the PR team's like, hey, we got a problem here. Yeah. It's like, really? God yeah. damn it. You know what's up. They think that's the devil. Uh, yeah. But like, hey, maybe that should make you think about who your audience is. <laughs> I don't know. You know, my son graduates next year. I know how to do the blood sign with my fingers. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that in my son's graduation <laughs> pictures and put that online for him, make him real proud. I think it'll be great. Look at that. Yeah. That's pretty stunning. Yeah, right? that was actually quick. That. It's, it's yeah. You know, if you can put it together quick, if you can build that stack quick. That's You're what it's it. all about. That's it. Gang signs are fun. <laughs> Just be careful where you flash those things at. You know what I mean? Up here in you know in uh, buddy's in buddy's attic, we're okay. <laughs> Maybe don't do this in downtown areas. Okay. And, and side note, we have changed studio locations. We have. Yeah, we've changed studio locations, and our new spot is badass. Yeah, so yeah. Buddy's attic. Yeah. Buddy's attic is is man. It's air conditioned. It's really nice. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Last controversy. Austin teamed up with Kanye pretty seriously for a second there. Uh-oh. Hold on. What, what year are we talking about? In November 2019, Kanye joined Austin on the Lakewood Sunday night service. Oh, and, yeah. That's and, what, yeah, started his uh, church service. Well, yeah. So in the appearance, Austin essentially played the role of interviewer and allowed Kanye to do his well-known unhinged rambling from an article I found on the appearance. Quote, the artist answered like only Kanye can, in a stream of consciousness style that seemed to cast West himself in a borderline prophetic role, waging war against the devil and acting as God's mouthpiece, letting God flow through him throughout the event. He said the devil has stolen all the good musical artists, but fortunately, the greatest artist that God has ever created is now working for him. He also claimed that his song, Closed on Sunday, is the hardest record ever made, and because things weren't peculiar enough, he then started claiming that strip clubs promote sex trafficking and that Christians are beaten into submission by the society at large. That's false. That's strip true. clubs do not what? Promote <laughs> sex trafficking? No. I mean, God damn it, That's actually, a- they, they're they probably not a good spot for it. But <laughs> I won't, I won't like wholeheartedly say yeah. that's what they yeah. do. Yeah. They provide male entertainment, male and female entertainment, people entertainment. Maybe it's just not something to really talk about during a, a sermon. A sermon. sermon. I don't know. But it's also yeah. Kanye. I said, now, Kanye has always been a controversial figure, and certainly, aside from often touting Jesus and Christianity, has lived a decidedly unchristlike lifestyle. But to be fair, at this point in his career, Kanye was holding his own Sunday services and releasing a gospel album devoid of swearing or sexual innuendo. So the appearance, as strange as it may seem, isn't totally out of whack. And Austin seems to have broken all ties with Kanye following his slide into you know, being an actual Nazi. <laughs> Him and Tila Tequila teamed yes. up. Yeah. Or maybe Austin was early on the scene and does support Nazis, but probably not. Probably not from everything Doubt we've that. covered yeah. tonight. Yeah. So. That's right. Uh, so that's Joel Austin, a pretty run-of-the-mill televangelist who maybe isn't great overall, but compared to previous show subjects of a similar nature, Pat Robertson, who used charity funds to run a golden diamond mine and palled around with legitimate warlords responsible for the Rwandan genocide, and Jerry Falwell Jr., who was just freak nasty and a financial <laughs> opportunist, yeah, Joel doesn't seem all that awful at all, you know? So let's get final scores on Joel Austin, boys. Randy, what you got? All right, so you know what? I learned a lot. Um, in terms of kind of his career and honestly the beginnings of how he got to where just his ability to mm-hmm. build the church. Sure. I didn't know where that came from. Sure. So 
you know, it doesn't really shock me that it was dad that, you know, kind of provided the path. But um, again, I still kind of go back to it. The greed, the suits, the jets, uh, the mega church. He owns the whole fucking basketball facility yeah. that, yeah, that they, they preach in. Center. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just over the top, right? But I mean, um, like, if you're making that much money, like, I mean, is it bad to enjoy you know what, it? You know what? To have the facility to house the people, mm-hmm. maybe not. To have a private jet to fly around in and yeah. pay yourself. Fifty million dollars a year. I feel like you could do a lot more good with that money if your goal right? is to be like. Yeah. And honestly, if if the constituents paying you this, imagine all the people that are giving you this money. Imagine the thousands of people. Yeah. You don't think some of those people need help with a power bill, right? Or their mortgage yeah. or cancer treatment. Like yeah. this dude's rolling in fifty million dollars a year. Oftentimes, people look to their church for help in financial yeah. situations. I wonder what they do to kind of give back yeah. maybe you know and that's one thing that i hate because growing up i watched my mom struggle with that a lot you know because she wanted to give more and more to the church and the church always was like you know you really need to be given a lot of you know yeah. as much as you can yeah. and like i know my mom lost sleep over that stuff so like to see them turn around and be in stuff like these yeah. Jets and yeah. stuff like well, that. Well, they terrify the fuck out of them because they're like, you're, you, you have to question yourself. Like, if I'm not tithing properly, then I, I can't get into heaven. Right. If I don't have my dick and balls, yeah. I can't get into heaven. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah? it. So, honestly, to your point, Mikey, he isn't quite as bad mm-hmm. as the other guys that uh, we've had on here. Yeah, so. he's not as egregious as like Pat Robertson. I actually, yeah. I ticked him down a little bit. Yep. And I've got him at a 7.43 mm-hmm. as my final score. Yep. 7.43. For Randall, final score, Joel Austin. Buddy, what you got? All right. So, uh, yeah, definitely learned a lot here tonight, as Randy said. You know, um, I was surprised. I thought that we're, there was going to be a lot more dirt on him as, you know, like a Pat Robertson or a Jerry Falwell. But um, he seems pretty clean cut in a sense. Uh, yeah, he could be probably doing like if you are the vessel for the Lord and, you know, really the one who's leading the way. You know, yeah, it is a little tough that you're getting paid fifty million million a year. But what what's he doing with that fifty million? Right. You know, um, I I'd, Botox. Yeah. All 50 uh, million apparent, apparently, it's hard for me to say what he's doing with that. So I I don't know. That's tough. So then you've got the stuff in 2017 with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, that's that's rough. You know, I mean, you're supposed to be a man of the Lord, and you're keeping people out of your, you know, facility downtown yeah. that you know can help people out. You know, that's uh, that's rough. And uh, oftentimes you see people, uh, a lot of preachers and pastors doing similar things like that when they're supposed to be people of the Lord. And they're just not. Uh, so, you know, you do kind of tick up a little bit for that. But we always come back to it. I see Steven Seagal here at a 6.0. And uh, I'm having a hard time finding a lot of things that Joel's done that's worse than old Steven over here. Yeah, but that score, that's not a good anchor score. <laughs> so we all know Seagal should be much worse. Right. Well, I have a hard time that Kanye is a 6.1 also. That's because that was pre-Nazi Kanye. Yeah, yeah that's pre-Nazi. Pre, you know, so I have a hard time. Yeah, I was, I was going to be like, I have a hard time scoring him higher than Kanye. Yeah, it's tough because Kanye would be much higher now. Yeah, yeah for sure. 100%. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to end him off at a tick under Jerry Falwell Jr. And I'm going to actually finish off where I began at a 6.9 right there with Mama June Shannon. There it is. I like it. I like it. Mike, you take us home, buddy. Okay. uh, So I wanted to really hate him. I wanted to find a lot of shit and really just take a massive diarrhea shit on him for an entire show. 
like I did with Pat Robertson or like Randy did with Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, aside from him just being like a typical sort of uh, grifter in terms of, you know, and even then it's tough because like he isn't like with Pat Robertson being like the gays caused, you know, Hurricane Katrina. He isn't doing that. He's really just being like, hey, he's he's like a Tony Robbins, essentially. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, he's just yeah. like he, he's not even. He has, he's just kind of taking advantage to the religiously yeah. vulnerable. He was given a, a, a massive platform. Yeah. And he's using sort of like what his father passed on to him to turn it into his own brand, which is yep. like, I'm also Christian and I believe this stuff, but really like, let's talk about like how your day can be better. Let's talk about seven things you can do to get rich right now or yeah. whatever it is. So, I mean, I, I'm going to put him right there, honestly, with, with Tony Robbins. Um, okay. He strikes me as a Tony Robbins type. Um, I guess I'm going to put him a little bit above that though, because he is using religion specifically uh, as a uh, means to the ends. Uh, and so I'm going to put him at a, 6.25 for Joel Austin. And I really, I mean, trust me, I wanted to give him a fucking nine and a half or a 10, but it's just not there. All right, 6.25 for Mikey. All right. With a 7.43 from Randy, a 6.9 from Buddy, and a 6.25 from Mikey, Joel Austin's final asshole score is a 6.86. All right, 6.86, just above Cardi B who came in at a 6.83, and just below, June Shannon, Mama June at 6.9. But he yeah. called it. But he yeah. called it. So just in between Cardi B and Mama June falls Joel Austin. Nice. Yep. Awesome. I like it. Hell yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. We know we've given you a lot of information over the years about what we do. We want to make one more final push on our GoFundMe page. Um, as you know, we're going to Podcast Movement 2023 out in Denver. Um, we're footing the bill on our own, and any uh, support that you can offer is much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. We're heading out there to Colorado. We want to network out with a couple other podcasts. Uh, you know, just find ways that we can make this podcast bigger and reach out to everybody else because, you know, we have fun doing what we're doing here. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to fight uh, fist fight John uh, John Elway. So <laughs> you guys can facilitate that. That's what I'm great. talking about. I would get fucking hammered by John Elway. It would be such oh, a yeah. bad beating. Absolutely. Yeah. And we need a picture in front of that bull outside of the Denver airport. Oh, it's Denver yeah, airport. Yeah, no blue, it's blue. 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 Yep. Blue ski or something. It's so a go, horse. It's yeah. A stallion. So go check out the uh, bluey, <laughs> blowy, <laughs> blowy the horse. <laughs> go check out GoFundMe.com/slash/ahcpodcast. And uh, all support is appreciated. And again, until next time, be kind of one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.